so growing up in the church, I was under this misconception that the point of my faith was just to get to heaven. I was only following God to get out of the potential reality of hell. So for me, it seemed as if my faith was centered around what would happen to me after I died instead of what life should look like for me now here on earth. And at some point, I knew what my faith did for me in eternity, but there was a question I had that I didn't even know about what it meant for me now here on earth. So as I began to get older, go into my faith and really step into my relationship with God for the first time in a genuine way, I was able to fill in this gap and these questions that I had that completely changed my life. And that was really understanding what it meant to be saved, the process of salvation and what it meant for me in my everyday life, because it was something that I heard, I thought I knew, but I didn't understand in depth. And so in this episode, I really want to break that concept down in its totality. And I think it's important because it's something that we may have heard before. It may be have it may have been broken down to us or we may not really be familiar with. You know, I think we understand the idea of after Sunday service, they asked for people to come up to the altar call and see who wants to give their life to Christ, who wants to make that decision and that step. But do we know what that means? And like, what happens after that? Like you give your life to Christ, you get in a car, you go to the crib. Now what? What does this mean? How has my life changed and how should I conduct myself going forward? And so I think this is important for three reasons, honestly. The first one being for ourselves in our personal relationship with God, understanding the foundation of our faith and this reality of salvation that we live in and how to walk into it in its totality and to the full. And then secondly, as I mentioned previously or recently, is the fact that we're ambassadors for Christ, which means we should be able to represent God well. So if we're stepping into spaces, environments, or conversations where people are asking us, yo, what does it mean to be saved? What's the process of salvation? Or they're looking to take those next steps with God. Are we equipped with a response and an answer to help them into that new season? And the last part of this that I believe is imperative is understanding salvation helps us realize that the point of it isn't just heaven, that yes, Jesus came and died so that we could have eternity with God, but there's also a lot of things he's given us access to walk into now here on earth. And we can't focus so much on the process of redemption that we neglect the purpose of it. And I believe sometimes we can find ourselves in the state of limbo or just complacency because we really don't know what our life on earth is meant for or what we're called to do and what this in-between stage is of being saved at the altar and waiting to be reunited with Christ because there is so much he has for us and that he wants us to do. So really in this episode, I want to break down what it means to be saved, what we're saved from, and ultimately what we are saved for. And the reason I really want to talk about this is, as you all have mentioned the last few weeks, we're getting back to the basic tenets of our faith and really building that foundation that much more. But I've also been thinking about the purpose of this podcast. And I want to have conversations about how our faith relates to our everyday life and the culture around us for the point of equipping you all to go out and make a difference in the world in the way that God has called you to do so. And I think that this conversation is a huge component of that in its totality and a truth that isn't always talked about or we don't always hear, I think, to the degree that we should. So 
the first thing that I want to get into, we're going to hop right in, is what it means to be saved. And this really starts with understanding the process of salvation, which comes from Romans 10, 9, which says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so being saved means placing your belief in Jesus as Lord. So you are confessing and making a declaration that God is Lord over all, including you, <laughs> which means that you have relinquished your control to him. And God now has final say, complete authority and control over what happens within your life. This isn't a declaration that you make that's passive and or doesn't have any significant meaning to it. This is something that you are really committing to. And even in this verse in Romans 10, 9, something that I've found super interesting is the word belief here when it mentions believing what God did for Jesus and raising him from the dead and the fact that he is Lord isn't what we usually associated this idea of belief to within our culture. It means a lot more, has a lot more substance and depth. And it comes from the Greek word pistio, which means to trust in, have faith in, be fully convinced of, acknowledge, rely on, and it expresses reliance upon a personal trust that produces obedience, which includes submission. Because I believe this idea of belief in our culture has become so diluted and has just been misconstrued from what the biblical meaning of it is. And, you know, if we go into the world and we may hear people who say they believe in God or a God, what they're typically saying is they acknowledge the existence of, but they don't actually follow him. They haven't made a declaration to surrender their life over. And that's the biggest component of being saved. To make Jesus Lord isn't just a one-time declaration, but it's the daily decision to follow him. Every time that you wake up, anytime you make a decision, anytime you're wanting to make a move in your life. And when we think about this practically, when we talk about what does belief in action look like? You know, in our everyday, if I'm saying that I believe in God, what is that supposed to mean or look like? After I make the confession at the altar and I'm going home and there's three things that I put down, which the first one is you follow his lifestyle. As it mentions in Matthew eleven twenty eight, you obey his teachings as it mentions in first John two, three and five. And then you submit to his will And the reference verse for that is Matthew ten thirty nine. So it's not just about believing in God as we've reduced it to, but asking yourself, do you truly follow him? Have you surrendered? You can't be saved if you're not willing to accept any type of help. So this saved is reaching our hand out every morning, every day, every moment and saying, I can't do this without you. And this being the life that we live, God, and I need you and I want you to be a part of every aspect of what I do. So this isn't a passive faith or something that just happens it's something that you intentionally work on, make a decision toward and commit to above all else. So from that, when we think about what we've been saved from. So once we make this confession, this declaration that Jesus is Lord, what takes place? What happens for us or within our life? And we have to realize that we're saved from the penalty and power of sin. And starting with the penalty of sin, when we think about that, we have to realize that in Romans 6, 23, 
It says that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, which means that the consequence or rather the result of sin should be our eternal separation from God. And Jesus comes, he's crucified, he dies and he's raised. So now we could be reunited again with God. Now, because of Jesus, we don't have to be subject to this eternal separation, which essentially means that we're forgiven for our sins. He had paid the price and now we are justified through him. So we can go before a throne boldly and ultimately have a life with him that is everlasting in every way. And I also mentioned this a bit in 1 Peter 3, 18, and it says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. So now we understand that a part of this salvation comes from releasing us from the penalty of sin, which I believe also reveals why we need to be saved because of the ever-present reality of sin in our lives that came into the world by way of Adam and Eve. And so God comes and he reconciles that and we are now justified. But sometimes what we don't also realize is that sin doesn't just produce death in our eternity, but also in our everyday lives as well. So when it talks about in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin are death, that isn't just reserved from our, our eternal separation, but what happens when we're indulged and consumed in sin while we're here. So what I mean by this is the fact that sin in our everyday life can produce types of death, whether that be death to our mental clarity, our peace, our joy, our love, kindness, our goodness, confidence in all of these different aspects of our life. We've seen this show up when we backslide or we've taken time away from God or he's been put in a back burner. We see all of these emotions, realities, and or environments that we are now in that are completely contrary to what God is and what he wants from us. And that's what sin does. That's the death that it produces for us on earth. But Jesus saved us from this as well. Because sometimes we think that we just have to settle for our sin when Jesus has power over it all, right? Like even though we, we give our life to Christ, we understand that we're forgiven. We still struggle with the power of it. And sometimes we just completely relinquish our control to it. We just kind of like settle for this anxiety and or these addictions or these cycles that we have when we have been given authority to step into freedom and remove the change that sin has over our life. So something that I learned that has stuck with me and, and really opened my eyes is when we talk about salvation or being saved, it's not just for eternity. And when we think about this idea of being saved. It also means daily deliverance from sin's dominion, power, and control over our lives. So with Jesus, you no longer have to be subject or under the authority of fear, anxiety, anger, depression, because you have power over that through him. And this is referenced in one of my favorite verses really concerning this idea, which is Romans 6.14 which says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We no longer have to live under the dominion of sin if we so choose to. So that is what we are saved from. Jesus dies, he's buried, and he is resurrected for us to gain access to eternal life with God and power over sin here on earth. 
And that's what I love about God is the fact that he is so close and ever present to us. He didn't just give us a faith that was reserved for when we died or something that we had to wait for. It was a reality that we could step into now, that he saved us in every way, in every aspect of our lives. And so it just doesn't stop at what we may have been familiar with or always known in terms of how it was presented to us. It is holistic in terms of what God does. When people say the gospel changes everything, that's what it means. And I'm coming into understanding that the good news of what Jesus did, it really infiltrates and influences every part of our life now and in eternity, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, shoot, financially, the good news, what he spoke, what he did, what he continues to do transforms it all. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's Jordan, and I know we're interrupting the regularly scheduled program, but we're going to get straight to that in a second. We got some dire, important news. We're excited to let y'all know that we're actually partnering with HelloFresh to get you guys some discounts on some uh, meal plans. And for those of you who don't know what HelloFresh is, essentially, it's a lifesaver. Um, and I feel like it, it's coming at no better time. It's the beginning of the year. We're all looking to revamp our eating habits. That's a lot of people's resolutions for the year. Start eating better. And something I just found out is that HelloFresh has over 30 calorie um, safe and protein focused um, recipes for their meal plans. So I feel like if that's something that you're looking forward to doing for your New Year's resolution, it's something that you definitely need to capitalize on. And another thing that I love about HelloFresh is how convenient it is. Me and Darren moved out about a year back, for those of you who don't know, and we was eating fast food a lot, like every day, basically. And the reason why is because I felt like I didn't have time. I felt like with everything that I was juggling, it's difficult to go grocery shopping and, and preparing the food and, and cooking the food. It felt like a whole thing, right? But with HelloFresh, it's so convenient. All you have to do is go online, pick your box, right? Pick the dates and it gets delivered straight to your doorstep, right? So they're taking care of their meal prep. They're taking care of the grocery shopping and all you got to do is cook it. And the meals take no longer than some of them are 15 to 20 minutes. Some of them as low as eight minutes. You can go and you can look at the different times. It has all the information you need, but that's my favorite part about it is it's it's not time consuming and it's super, super convenient. Right. And I rock with y'all. Right. And y'all rock with me. Right. I wouldn't steer y'all wrong. Y'all, y'all, could, y'all could trust me. We like this. We like this. Right. So if you want to take advantage of this opportunity, all you need to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash just different free and use code just different free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash just different free with code just different free. This is America's number one meal kit, y'all. So I'm not even the only one that's saying this. There's people all over the world suggesting this to y'all. So y'all go ahead, tap in. Let's get right back to the regular schedule program. So now that we've set the foundation of what it means to be saved in terms of relinquishing control, making God Lord and giving him authority over it all. And as a result of this decision and commitment, we're saved from the penalty and power of sins in our life here on earth and in eternity. What now? Right. It's that moment, as I mentioned earlier, I give my life to Christ. I get in the car, I go home and I'm sitting there. What is my life meant to look like and what am I supposed to do? And I believe that this is important because we have to realize that God didn't just save us to get to heaven. He saved us so we could have the ability to bring heaven to earth. This is mentioned in the Lord's Prayer when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. He says, 
thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we should be asking and petitioning the father to do. And he wants to use us as vessels to get his influence, his glory and his principles in every industry, every space and every environment on earth. We're called to be testaments of his grace, his goodness and his glory every time that we step out into any arena. So we're, we're, we're saved to ultimately glorify him, to get to know him and be in relationship with him, but, but also to take what we have and what we've experienced and impart that to others in the way that we were called to individually. And then the Bible mentions this in a few verses in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, when God is creating man, and he says, let us make man in our own image and let's give him authority and or dominion to subdue the earth. And also mentions this in Matthew 28, 29, when, it, when he's commissioning the disciples and tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. And then Ephesians 2, 9, when it says that we are created in God to do every good work that he has predestined for us to do before the beginning of time. So I recognize this theme and this idea that God loves us enough to save us, but also to partner with us to do his will and get his plan done within the earth. And so my hope for you all is a faith that isn't passive. It's producing a conviction within ourselves that provokes us to action, that we can't stay idle or on the sideline. I want us to step into the fullness of our potential and what God has for us and what he wants us to do. And I think sometimes as a body, we've gotten complacent. We've allowed ourselves just to reduce our faith to being moral. We go to church on Sundays. We may attend on Wednesday nights. We may do some community service. We may attend a few prayer meetings, but our life isn't really marked by him. I remember we did an interview a while ago, some of you may have heard, with a woman named Catherine Warnock, and she's a vice president of content at The Chosen. And one thing that she mentioned in terms of her space that she works in when it comes to entertainment, is there's a lot of people in her field that would claim to be Christians, but few of them smell like the blood of Jesus. And that really stuck with me since. Because I've been reading through the Gospels, and one thing that I've noticed is, um, I can't remember what particular chapter in Matthew, but he's looking out on the crowd that he's about to teach, heal, and deliver. And it says that he's moved with compassion because they are sheep without a shepherd. Turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that's really been on my heart. And I've heard a lot of pastors and ministers speak to me and I asked them, you know, what is the biggest issue that the body of Christ faces today? What do you think is missing in terms of why we're moving into a more post-Christian world? And the answer is always the same. And it's never what I think it would be. I would think it would be, oh, because of the cultural opposition and the forces that be, whether it be spiritual wickedness and or agendas that are being pushed in different places. But no, it's actually quite simple. The reason the culture looks the way that it does and the state of the church is where it's at is because there's a lot of Christians, but there's few laborers. Few people who are willing to get out into the field and do the work of planting the seeds, of watering it, and letting God then collect his harvest. And... That's why this is significant.
this is what we are saved for, to know him and to make him known. And I think we've settled for gaining information, knowledge, advancing in our own personal relationship, but never taking that to our sphere of influence of where God's called us to be. And that's what I mean. What I went through earlier, that was a process of redemption. What I'm speaking about now is the purpose of it. So during this time of once we give our life to Christ and we're justified and forgiven from our sins and then the power of sin is then lifted off of our lives and we go through this process of sanctification, a part of this is we're able to remove sin from our lives. So we're filled with God in order to pour out to other people. That's it. So that's what's missing. That's sometimes what we don't know. And I want us to focus on when it comes to our evangelism. I was just having a conversation yesterday with one of my friends, and that's one thing that I'm going to start doing. I'm going to intentionally be going out with people. There's different groups that actually happen in Nashville where they go out on Broadway. They just spread the gospel. They find people, they start conversations, and they give them a presentation of the good news, what God has done for them and what he wants to do for them right now and forevermore. And I've been feeling that conviction, and that's what I wanted to impart to you today is we don't have a faith that's passive, not in just terms of belief, but also in action as well. And we can't neglect that. And so this period that we're in in our lives before we're reunited with God is to do his work, follow and obey his will in every way and whatever that is supposed to look like. And I think a lot of people always ask, well, how am I supposed to know God's will for my life, my purpose, and what I'm called to do? And one thing that I actually recently just heard that I think fits and made so much sense to me is you can't expect to understand God's specific will for your life if you don't follow the general one that he's already given. He has already laid the blueprint of what we're supposed to follow in terms of seeking first the kingdom, giving him our all, being in relationship with him, and we can't neglect that. So if we're not if we're not operating in the general will of what he's already laid out within the Bible of seeking first the kingdom, of loving others as we should ourselves, of going out and making disciples in our spheres of influence and just following the instruction that he's given us now, we can't expect for these specific details to come. And so for anyone, if you're still seeking that or searching for that or have a question about it, it will come in due time. I know that for a fact through the promises that he's giving us. And it's all about following the specific will that he has for us right now. And what I'm realizing is sometimes we don't ever step out to do for God because we don't believe he actually wants to use us. And I want to just speak to that mindset, mentality, or perspective because a lot of us don't move because based upon what we don't think. And we're moving off the doctrine of our emotion instead of the doctrine of God and what he wants us to do. So that's what I want to leave you all with is God wants to use you. He does. You are needed. The kingdom's most wanted is you. And I don't want us to run away from that. I don't want us to neglect that. I don't want us to get comfortable in inactivity and in, in, in being passive, you know, and it doesn't have to look like what we are associated with in terms of getting up on a stage, having a mic, teaching, being a preacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet, etc. But in the way that you're called to, that is still the mission no matter what. It's advancing the kingdom, taking up our cross and being laborers for the name of Christ. That's it. 
that's the truth of this. Heaven is where we're going, but this is the mission for where we are at now. Um, so that's the one. Don't get weary and well doing. There's a work to do, y'all. We got to get to it. Ah! All right. All right. So now, with all that being said, we're going to get into the putting you on real quick before we end out the episode. I wanted to play this last week, but I was torn between both of the songs that I had. So I played Backsliding by Secret and this one right here. I've been on this kick where that snooze by SZA, that instrumental, don't ask me why. I don't know if because I've been seeing TikToks, Reels, or Shorts about it, but it is stuck in my head. And I love it. It's got me in a chokehold. And so I found this song. I don't know how I came across this. I wasn't, I don't even know if I was necessarily looking for it, but I think I remembered that DKG did a remix to it. And I was like, oh, hold on. I got to find this. This goes crazy. So this is called Hood Girls Love Christ. So we we had that tap in. So I'm talking to this shorty the other day, right? And she like, Kai, you got to put something out for the ladies. Like, I know you represent for the hood dudes, the ones that's misunderstood, X, Y, and Z. But come on now, like, like, we love God too, you feel me? Like, you got to put us on the map for real. So I said, say less, man. This the anthem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I know hood girls love Christ And you tryna do what's right And your life is like a light So I'm bust down the chain around your neck to keep you right Baby, know you tired of them lies Shorty, I can see it in your eyes Yeah, you tired of being judged in them churches Thinking should you go or should you not Or is it worth it? I know the world tryna tell you to be perfect Fake it till you make it I can tell that you hurt Oh, yeah You ain't worried about no money Cause you got it on your own You just looking for some love Cause you tired of being alone Tired of being alone, waiting on the phone. Yeah, I know you traumatized more them things that you seen. Blacklist longer than the limousine. You say all them fairy tales is just make believe. I know they try to take your crown, but you still a queen. I see you picture perfect, baby. You gon' make the scene. You been focused on your faith, baby. Oh yeah. You been trying to find his grace, baby. Oh yeah. I know you trying to seek his face, but it get hard. You trying to reap what you been sowing in the yard. You know he paid for all your sins without a car. Cause I know. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> y'all don't care what y'all say. That's a hard. The mix on the production. And then also there's a song within itself. That that one was for the ladies right there, but that was Hood Girls Love Christ by DKG. And that's going to be linked in the description with the playlist and everything else for, for all the songs that have been featured on the podcast and that will play in the future. So I love y'all. I hope this blessed you all. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see y'all Friday. Stay you, stay real, stay humble. Much love.